Thanks for listening to the Journey podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Man, it's so good to have every one of you with us uh, a couple days after Christmas. Uh, I want to introduce you guys know Keith Walton. He's our campus pastor at Sherwood. And so it's exciting to be here. And we're going to talk through a little bit of stuff. But we've been in a series in our our campuses uh, called Christmas Classics. And we've been looking at these great movies like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Elf. Elf, one of my favorites. Uh, And then uh, Christmas Eve night, we looked at Charlie Brown. Actually, my all-time favorite (laughs) Christmas movie. There's so many, so cool, you know, such cool things in there. But over the holidays, I had a chance to watch another Christmas classic. It was called Polar Express. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. So one of the main things, I've seen it a couple of times, but one of the main things that really stuck out to me this time is when the conductor said, seeing is believing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it made me think about, about my faith walk. A lot of times, um, we don't get a chance to see, but we still have to believe in Jesus, Amen. right? But we look at the Bible, and there's all kinds of encounters that people had with Jesus. They actually had opportunities. So let me backtrack where we've been, and then we'll talk about where we're going to go. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a stable, right? Yes. And because there was no room in the, in, in the end, we know the story, right? Uh, nearby on the, uh, the, the field surrounding a little town of Bethlehem, shepherds were watching their flocks. There's this huge bright light that comes to the shepherds, and all of a sudden this angelic singing, and it says like, like choir, a choir singing. I've never been to a church that's had it a choir. It would freak me out. It, w- it would freak me out too, but I've never been to a church that's had a choir. I've seen it on TV, like the Morbid Tabernacle mm. and all that. So it must have been just amazing sound and sight. Um, suddenly, they were no longer alone. An angel comes down, uh, tells Mary, you know, the whole story right. about, you know, you're going to be with child and all that. And the shepherds, um, to say awestruck, it, it was probably kind of a, an understatement. They were like, Oh my goodness, this is what we've been talking about for 4,000 years. All the Messiah, uh, the the, the prophecies about the Messiah are coming true. And then the shepherds ended up going back and doing what they were doing in the city. So they found Mary and Joseph. They go back afterwards. But there was an encounter they had. And because of that encounter, they told everybody about what happened with Jesus. And I was thinking about this. There's so many other encounters sometimes we think sometimes we think that's the end of the story. The shepherds go back. We forget that the Magi weren't there yet, right. and Herod's, the whole situation with right. Herod. Uh, but one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it, it, it's found in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 2, it's found in, in Luke chapter 2, but it's the story of the temple. It's when Jesus is being uh, dedicated at the temple, and they're going to do the circumcision uh, according to Jewish culture. That was eight, day, eight, eight days after the baby was born. But there's two characters, there's two people that are part of this temple mm. that are absolutely like amazing. And we sometimes forget. There was a, a man by the name of Simeon mm-hmm. and a, 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 a woman by the name of Anna. And I'll, let me just give you some update. Like Simeon was a righteous man, the Bible tells us. And by faith, uh, he, was, he was faithful in service at the temple. He was, he was there all the time. God told him, could you imagine this? God told him that you will not die until you see the Messiah. They've been waiting for this. They've been hearing about this Messiah for thousands of years. And then all of a sudden, they, like he hears about this Jesus being born, all right? So they, they're going to see him face to face. And on this day, for some strange reason, he knew, the Holy Spirit probably, <laughs> told him that Mary and Joseph were going to be in the temple and that they were going to dedicate this Jesus. I love what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 29. It says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Like he is basically giving his eulogy right here. Right. Like I'm departing according to your word. And he says this, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory 
to, to your people of Israel. And then it goes on to say, and we, we talked about this earlier today, Luke chapter two, verse 33, and, the, and his father and mother marveled. They marveled. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Up to this point, they weren't even sure that the baby was coming. I, you, you also talked about just Mary who has, she's trying to, she, she's trying to raise this savior, this, this, this magi, this, this king. He's performed no miracles. Nothing yet. So there's nothing to validate what she's been told. And her friends have to be going in on her right now. Like, Mary, I can't believe you. Joseph, she lied to you. Yep. She is lied. Well, and think about what her parents are thinking. And mm-hmm. the friend, you know, I, I kind of joked about her cheerleading team from, you know, right. Jerusalem <laughs> high school. Like, you know, she comes walking in and I'm, I'm going to, all that stuff. And it really wasn't until we think somewhere around the age of 30, 33, maybe mm-hmm. somewhere around that age that Jesus performs his first miracle, and that's the turning of water. And, and, and who's there in right. that moment? Mary's there, yep. and Mary tells Jesus that you, you need to do this. Get it done. Because your time has come. Yep. Like, so for 30 years, like nice. she's been looking at Jesus, she's been watching Jesus, and all of a sudden she sees this moment, the Holy Spirit quickens her. There's another character in this. Her name is Anna. She's a prophetess, and she's 84 years old. So she's been passed along these, you know, these, these words of wisdom and all these prophecies that she's been reading about this Messiah. And then she gets to see him. Mm. And sometimes we stop right there. But there was other people that got a chance to see the Messiah, that they had real encounters. Who else was there? You, you got the Magi okay. that enter in the scene. And I know you, you, you teach on this all the time. We have this depiction that they show up while Jesus is in the manger. And that's not the case. Mm-mm. They're not there with the shepherds. They, they come... Man, Jesus is a toddler at this time. That's right. Um, we have no idea what his age is. But in Matthew 2, 2, the, uh, the Magi, the wise men from the east, come to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Now, there's a problem with that yep. because Caesar has already appointed Herod king of the Jews. And Herod, and you're going to learn this in a little while, he was unhinged. I mean, Herod was off the chain. Um, matter of fact, in Matthew 2, 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. So Herod hears about the fact that these wise men, these kingmakers, have come to see uh, the one that's been born king of the Jews, and they're not talking about him. So interesting thing there. Several weeks ago, we talked about a journey. We were talking about it, it you know, both campuses. We talked about Caesar, mm-hmm. and we talked about Paul is in jail, and he's in jail, and he's writing these amazing passages of Scripture there's a Caesar there too. Mm-hmm. Caesar was a title of a person, Correct. not a person. Per, like, Correct. So they were a title. But whatever Caesar said, went down. it went down. Like you could be innocent, but if he deems you guilty, he, they kill you. Absolutely. And so he tells, so you're telling me he tells Herod yeah. that he's the king of the he's Jews. He's the king of the Jews. So I'm the king of the Jews. I am the king of Jerusalem. I'm the king over this land. And the, the, where it says uh, in verse 3, when Herod, the king of the Jews, hears this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem. They're all troubled because Herod was, I mean, he was, he was, for lack of better words, he was insane. And so give you some examples throughout, through, that's written in history. So Herod felt like his sons were uh, moving in on wanting to become king. So he felt some kind of way. So he had him killed. He killed his own kids. Yes. Caesar says that it would be better to be a pig than to be Herod's sons. Like, everybody understands how off the hinge this man is. And the Magi, they eventually uh, see uh, Herod 
calls for a meeting with them because he brings all of the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees around. What is this about this, this king of the Jews? And they tell him about the prophecy of Moses' law. And so he says, okay, I'm ha he has a secret meeting with the Magi to find out, you know, how did y'all even find out about this? So they tell him about the star. They follow the star. And he eventually tells the Magi, well, y'all go. You search for him. And when you find him, come back and tell me because I want to worship him. Okay. We know that's a lie. Yes, absolutely. It's because of his, of his honestly, he, he is paranoid. He's paranoid. Mm -hmm. He really thinks that somebody has been born. I mean, we, we know the story. Right. If you read through the story a little bit more, he actually orders kids to be killed mm -hmm. because he's so paranoid that yep. somebody's going to take his position. Yep. T tell me a little bit more about the Magi. Who, who are the Magi? So the, the history of them, the theologians, we say are their sons that talk about them being kings, but it doesn't say that they're mm -hmm. kings. They're, they're, they're wise men, call them scientists today. They weren't Christians. They weren't believers, which even makes this more interesting because they stepped out on faith of which they technically didn't even have. They left their homes. They traveled down the road with treasures. Yep. I know you're going to talk about that in a second. With treasures, they could have been robbed. They could have been killed. All to see this Jesus, this yep. baby, this Messiah. And what faith that did take in order to do that. Yep. And they stepped into the presence of Herod, and they could have been killed by him instantly yep. because they did not acknowledge him to be the king. They were searching for the king of the Jews. Correct. Now, they came with... They came with three presents. Mm -hmm. History tells us, and if I remember correctly, it was gold, it was frankincense, and it was myrrh. Correct. And there again, if, it, if my memory serves me correctly, gold was a sign of, of royalty. Mm -hmm. And so they were bringing this to Jesus. I'm sure this made Herod that, that much. Yeah, like you are bringing this baby that you're searching for, gold, which is designed for royalty. And then they, they bring the, the, the myrrh, which... Uh, the gold, the frankincense, I'm sorry, the frankincense. They bring the frankincense, and that's another one. That's a sign of the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. We look all the way back in the book of Exodus. That was what was believed to be the incense that they burned in the Holy of Holy place was, was this, this, this same thing. This frank and then myrrh, which we know was for burying purposes. Mm -hmm. We see a very similar thing when Jesus is anointed years later in Bethany, right? And it's at, at the, the alabaster jar is broken mm -hmm. over him. And so there's so much symbolism there, but this is all meant for... A king. Absolutely. And in Matthew 2, 11, it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child mm. with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's amazing. They, they, they were not Christians. They were not believers. But in his presence, they dropped to their knees yep. and they gave the very best that they had. So that doesn't happen today. Yeah, mm. I mean, like, I wonder if, like, we come to church, and I've been saying this a lot lately, we have such a consumer mentality right now instead of contributor mentality. They understood what it meant to be a contributor. Absolutely. They understood when they were at the, at the feet of Jesus that they weren't there to be a consumer. It wasn't about all the things that he could give them. It was really the presence was, we, we want to be in your presence, and we're giving you these presents Absolutely. because of that. Now, this is the next thing is one of the yeah. most interesting parts of this story. Absolutely. So, so what happened? In Matthew 2, 12, it says, and being warned in a dream, and we're talking about the Magi, and they were being warned in, warned in a dream 
not to return to Herod. They departed their own, to their own country by another way. You can't be in the presence of Jesus, worship him with your whole heart, give him your treasures, and go home the same so, way. But people come to church that way all the time. They come with one thing and they leave the same exact way. But not if, not if, you, not if you've given him your best. So you're saying the Magi came, yep. and I don't think it's a stretch. They came one way. They were warned in a dream to go yes. another way. You're saying, so if I come into church and I have unforgiveness in my heart. You're leaving with forgiveness. And if I have, have turmoil. <laughs> you're leaving with peace. How about if I have anger? You're leaving with joy. And unforgiveness. Yep. And you're going you're, you're gonna to have forgiveness. Uh, so, so I think by and large, the problem in our world is, going back to what I said, we've been saying this. We come in consumers yep. and we're expecting, like, what am I going to get out of this? What am I gonna? And it's really, it's not until we lay down our presence and not lay, lay down our lives that God changes us. Absolutely. And we can't come in one way and go out the other. That's an amazing... Not if you're going to be in His presence. That's an amazing truth right there. Absolutely. And it's something that we should practice daily. Yeah. It's, it's good. When I come back to church next week, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to walk in here and go, okay, I came in this way. I came in with this struggle and that struggle and this struggle. I'm going to leave these things here, and I'm going to go out in that world a different way. Well, take it another step. Okay. What if I'm having my daily devotions like I'm supposed to? So if I'm getting in God's Word, mm. Jesus, Jesus is the Word. Yep. And if I'm getting His Word daily, I'm going to, I'm going to, my presence will be, I will be changed. My countenance will be different. So I'm having a hard time at work. Mm. I'm having a hard time in my marriage. I'm having a hard time if I get in God's presence and seek His face. That's good. I, I should be different. That's good. So Simeon, Anna, the Magi, and even Herod, they all had this encounter. Three of them went away uh, a different. They were changed. And obviously yeah, Herod, Herod did. Can I fast forward a little bit? Yep. So Jesus has been executed on the cross at this point, and he has been put in the cave. And the, the women are all around, and we know the story. Uh, it, it talks about that they were looking for Jesus and he wasn't in the tomb. And we see another encounter where two people literally are walking with Jesus and they don't see him. Uh, this is where it starts in Luke chapter 24. It's one of, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Now, what were they talking about? They, they, Jesus was crucified. And now he's not in he's not in his tomb anymore. Um, and so all the circumstances that revolved around that, and they were talking about the fact that I'm, their dreams were dashed, crushed. I mean, they had been looking at this Jesus in their mind. They were thinking earthly king. Yep. In their mind, they weren't going to be peasants anymore. They yep. weren't going to be second. In their mind, Jesus was taking over Caesar. Yep. Yep. I wasn't going to be under a Roman rule. That oppression is going to be gone. That's exactly right. So and so they were talking with each other about all these things that happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He walked right up to him. Which one of the first things that I, if we could just kind of point this out, because it's really good. So many times, here, here's an encouragement. Don't let the circumstances of life keep you from seeing Jesus. Don't let, don't let them keep us from seeing Jesus. So they were emotionally, they had sorrow that we're dealing with, the disappointment. You just talked about their hope being crushed. The anger, they're so angry at what just happened. Yep. Their savior, the person that they loved, that they would follow to the end of it was just killed. Yep. And, and verse, verse 16, but their eyes, we're talking about seeing is believing, yep. but their eyes were kept from recognizing. Yep. So their circumstances 
were stopping them from seeing Jesus. And I wonder, like, at some point, man, was Jesus thinking, man, I told you this was going to happen. Like, he warned them that I have to be crucified. I have to be beaten. I have to be false imprisoned. I have to. But every time you hear me scream, I told you why this had happened. I mean, he, he was probably, we know he taught from the Old Testament, you know, by my stripes, you are going to be healed. But but everything that happens on that day at Galgotha is because there's a purpose. Yep. But they allow their circumstances once again to kind of mess them up. And then verse 17 says, he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? Which we know Jesus, he knew what they were talking about. And so he's going to, he's getting ready to read, he's getting ready to to kind of read some of their mail, right? So he said, what is this conversation? And he said, and they stood there looking sad. Verse 18, then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? You know what he was saying? Have you been living underneath a rock all this time? And Jesus is going, I've been living behind a rock for the last three days, but I'm not behind the rock anymore. And I just just wonder, where, where where, where did they go wrong? Was it because they had this false sense of hope that their circumstances were clouding their vision? How, how does that happen just, in our lives? I, I think when we get so overcome with emotions and we get in our feelings, we take our eyes off the cross and we, we can't see anymore. So we begin to sink. So do you think that's happening with COVID? Oh, we're looking at, we're looking at this pandemic. We see that, can't see Christ. We see the political uh, state of our country. We see that. All the ads, we see all that, can't see Christ. Racial uh, tension and uh, injustices, we see that, can't see Christ. So in our mind, we focus on all those things, and so we can't elevate our heart. No. And even if it's not that, hurt, yep. loneliness, yep. unforgiveness, arrogance. Yep. I mean, I, 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 was, I was reading through Facebook a little while ago, and this person posted this very derogatory interpretation of scripture. And instead of like, they're clouded of seeing the real Jesus because they, they want to be so right. They want to be, they're more worried about being, being uh, who's right mm-hmm. than what's right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? And so the world that we're living in is, is chaotic. And I just wonder how many of us are, are, are dealing with those kind of things. And then b- bounce off of that one, you have circumstances, but perspective. Mm-hmm. Like how many times... Do we let an incorrect perspective? So circumstances are going to happen. It's life. James tells us in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have, you're going to have trials and tribulations. You're going to have, and it's the way we see those things. And there again, it goes back. We're talking about seeing. It goes back to how we see those things. It, it always amazes me how one group of people come to church mm. and they hear one message and another group of church hear an entirely different message. Or one person go, that was the most amazing day at church today. And another group goes, that was not that good. Mm. Like, that was just okay. How about in our world? It happens all the time. Yep. Two, two different people see the same situation. They allow perspective. I, I, I was sharing with you earlier. I had a friend of mine that they just lost their son um, um, a, week, a week or so ago. And, you know, I was thinking like, man, what, what a bad time, Christmas time. And, you know, how, how they have, if anybody has anybody right to be angry, mm-hmm. like, could you imagine losing, like us losing our, like, no, I would be shaking my fist yep. at God. 
but they were thankful because he's not in pain anymore. And that really their perspective was he's at the feet of Jesus right now, seeing the one that we want to see. Right. Like who's got it made now? In this story, verse 20, they allowed their perspective and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped. Mm. But we had hoped. They're looking at this all wrong. And they're thinking, all my dreams, all my hopes, my prominent position in this kingdom are now dashed. And, And they're thinking that they're dashed. Little did they know that God was actually fulfilling and gonna fulfill their greatest dreams by that cross. Right. That cross was gonna change their perspective on everything. And like they are literally walking with the Savior. Gosh. But again, are so clouded for whatever reason. And so I just it just it burdens me that the body of Christ, we we get to walk with him too, but we're so clouded about all the other stuff that we're dealing with that we don't see him. So I thought about these, like, and I've heard, I've, you know, I've had people walk in my office. We had hoped, mm. we had hoped we were going to have children, and because of those circumstances and their perspective on that, they're having a hard time with their faith walk with Christ. They don't see Him. Right. You know, I've heard people like I thought I had hoped that I was going to be married by now. You know, I had hoped. I, I had a, f- a friend of mine, and you know, he said to me like I had ho- like literally I had hoped that this was going to be the time after the kids were out of the house, that we were going to be riding off in the sunset together. And he said, I'm not even sure if we're going to stay together mm. like things are so bad. Or I had hoped that we were going to retire. And because of COVID, we've lost all of our retirement. And the funny thing about the phrase that you keep saying is, but I had hoped, which is past tense, which means you currently don't hope anymore. Right. And so you are prophetically speaking that. Well, even the song, my hope is found. It's not was found. It's yes. not way back there. It's found on a daily Correct. basis. My hope is found in Christ. So even when the worst of the worst comes up, we can have a perspective that Christ is still in control. Mm-hmm. And his word's not a bunch of lies. Nope. And so when we stand on his word, and it's interesting because the last thing that like I'd like just to kind of mention is, and we do this, we allow our, our natural sight to affect our spiritual sight. Mm. And so like, don't let your natural what you see with your own two eyes, these things will lead you astray. These things will keep you from seeing God. Yeah, just the other day, you you challenged the staff about the word faith. Yeah. And you asked, you know, what is that? You know, and I said, my response to you was, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when I don't see it with my eyes, and so I assume that it won't ever be there, then my faith, it crumbles my faith at that point. Yep. I've, I've, got, I've got to trust my heavenly father so much i've got to reside in him yep. and so that's that's a, unfortunately when you're not doing that your hope can be crushed well and just because you don't see him doesn't mean yeah. he's not operating Amen. he's not doing something I, I i shared with my kids i don't know if this is a great illustration or not and i've shared it several times at church but i can't see the wind mm. i mean i can't see i, I can't see the wind like but I can see the leaves blow. Mm. The other day we were sitting over here and uh, a really bad storm came through and, and the, the, the rain was blowing sideways. Well, I couldn't see the wind that was making that, but it was there. Right. And I can't see God, but I can see the effects of God. I told you the, I told you today, I was like, I can't see a calorie. Yeah, 
but I keep eating that red velvet cake. Well, you'll eventually you're see, see the calories. You're going to see the calories. But that's what happens here. So uh, verse 22, moreover, some, some of the women of our company amazed us, right? They were, they, were, they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back and, and saying that, uh, that even seen in a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of us, though, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, O slow of heart. So here they were at the tomb, they had an eyewitness account, and they still didn't believe that the resurrection. And so it says, and he said to them, this is Jesus saying to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So for thousands of years, this has been the moment in time that the famous one was going to be, you know, illuminated, you know, brought as a baby, crucified, right? Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they had Jesus right there. All this is going on, and they still don't see him. Yeah, it's crazy. That would be a moment right there where I would go, uh-oh. We uh -oh. messed up. Yep. But you know what I'm learning, Keith, and, and I think you'd, you'd say you, you buy into this. Sometimes it takes a catalyst moment mm. for us to have a circumstance change, the way we view it, the perspective change, but our spiritual eyes to turn our natural eyes over. Yep. And for them, it took a spiritual moment. It took a catalyst moment. Let's, let's read this. I'm going to talk about this for a second. So it says, they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he, was, uh, uh, he were going to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And I love this. This is my, my, my favorite parts of the story. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Let, just put that on pause for a second. <laughs> I got to believe that they're going, oh, man. Like, we've been here. He's done this one time with us before. Hey, who are you? Wait like, a minute. Yeah, like, right. Well, but, but even think about this. Okay, so... And their, their eyes were open and they recognized him. I've got to believe because we know that Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus. Correct. He had the hose and saying, and put your hand in my side. Mm -hmm. So the whole time that Jesus is walking with them, he had like, guys, you're not seeing this. Right. Like, okay, my forehead has got scars on it from the, the crown of thorns, but it took this catalyst moment and their eyes were open. And they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. That is amazing. What do you think was going on in their mind right then? Why did we not recognize him? How did we miss him? He was with us this entire time. How frustrated. I mean, the, the range of emotion just then. You just saw the resurrected Savior. He was walking with you. Mm -hmm. Just like he's been there forever. Right by your side. And then all of a sudden, when you do recognize him, that's it. Yeah, and verse 32 says, they said to each other, I bet you they did. <laughs> did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? How did we miss it? Yep. That's, that's what they're saying. He was right here with us. So where, where Simeon saw, where Anna saw, where the Magi saw, where shepherds saw, mm -hmm. where countless other people saw, where Mary saw, they missed Jesus while he was right in front of them. So then that, to make it more practical today, how many times do we miss him in our everyday life? Yeah. 
I mean, he's right there. Yep. Well, we miss hindsight's 2020, right? So even in that statement, they're, they're saying hindsight's 20, like, how do we miss this? Mm-hmm. There's been times in my life where at the moment, my hope was gone. Mm-hmm. I, I remember we, we lost our first child. I had hoped, but now looking back 26, I believe God protected us. Mm-hmm. I can look back and go for six or seven or eight years where I was down here uh, and single and I was trying to do my best to be the person that God called me to be. I was lonely on the inside. And I was like, God, why don't you bring me? I want to I wanna get married. Like, right. I want to get married. But hindsight, 30 years, I could see God. He was working on some things in me that needed to be working, worked in me. I think countless times in our lives, if we would just have a perspective change, our eyes allow it because that's those moments that my eyes were being opened. I, when we opened Journey, mm. you know, not this building, but when we opened Journey, like I can see his hand back then. You were sharing a story about Jabez earlier uh, with so, me. So several years ago when I was working at Augusta Christian, we had taken the theme of the prayer of Jabez, mm-hmm. which Lord enlarge my territory, increase me indeed. And so we, we made a play of it. Uh, we Every Wednesday at Faculty Devotion, we recited it together. And I literally said that prayer out loud, Lord, enlarge my territory, increase me indeed. And then it seemed like all kind of craziness started happening. My, my Augusta Christian family was extreme, the athletic side specifically, was ex- we were extremely close. And one by one, they all started leaving for whatever reason. And I'm there by myself and I'm angry that, like, God, you're breaking up my family. Okay, in the present, I was angry. But the rest of that scripture, it doesn't say, Lord, enlarge my territory, increase me indeed, and be nice about it. Yeah. Make me comfortable when yeah. you do it. Yeah. So he was doing exactly what I prayed for. I went from being a middle school assistant coach to being a, a, a varsity head assistant coach and eventually a varsity head football coach. But I would have never thought that I, I couldn't imagine that promotion happening. Even though I said that prayer, all the hurt that was happening around me was necessary. They call them growing pains. Yep. And I was having them. Yep. I remember a time, and you were a part of it, um, that I knew God was telling me something. Mm. And I thought I was seeing God. I thought I was hearing from God. And I remember, I don't know if you remember the moment. I think we were over at Augusta Christian. <laughs> yeah, we I were, think it I was, was getting uh, ready. Uh, uh, pastor's appreciation yep. breakfast. And I walked up to you and I said, um, I don't know exactly how I said it. I probably said it very eloquent, I'm sure, because that's how I am. <laughs> I, I said something along the lines like, one day you're going to work a journey or and something I, And like I that. looked at you and I was like, yep, I sure will. And I laughed it off. Yeah, me too. Not thinking anything of yeah. it. And then... Yeah, how many years later? Two or three years later. Mm-hmm. I know at that moment I saw God, but it took, it took two or three years mm-hmm. for me to see God work in that situation. Correct. I knew I was hearing from him. Right. And, and it makes me wonder because... I can see him. I, I see him in people around here. Mm-hmm. I see life change. Man, I see life change. Can we see him in our hurts and our in our habits and our frustrations and all that? And so many times I think we miss miss that. And I'm going to be as honest going to be the reality of this. I think there's some people that have heard the story of Jesus. I think they come to church on Sunday. I think they probably give. They may even serve, but they hear the story every week, and they still don't see Jesus. Right. And how, how, what do we do with that? What, how, how do we make that? Like, that's 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 a travesty. It, it is, and I think even with the pandemic, we've gotten very comfortable with being comfortable. Mm. Even even when we say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to church because of whatever, whatever. But 
I mean, just being honest, we're able to go out to restaurants. The pandemic's still there. We're able to go out to uh, play golf. The pandemic's still hey, there. You're meddling now. I know, I know. We're able to go out to ball games. Yeah. The pandemic's still there. And so it's like, even in the midst of this, the enemy is so sneaky. Not that we're doing anything drastically wrong at all, but in the midst of us being comfortable. So, and it just occurred to me, to be honest with you, it was in the uncomfortable moments mm. that each of them saw God. Absolutely. Simeon was there uncomfortable for as long as he was waiting to see the Savior. Anna was there for 84 years. The Magi had to go stand in front of Herod. They traveled from not even, they're not even in Jerusalem. They weren't even from Jerusalem. They traveled from the east to get there through the desert. You know, hot, scared. Yeah. You got all these treasures. Mary. Mary was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was on the donkey. She was had a baby in a manger. I mean, it doesn't get any more uncomfortable mm -hmm. than that. And then you look at these guys, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, they got to the point, and then even more uncomfortable when they realized that they missed out on that blessing. Right. I'm assuming the story ends well, that they stayed with Jesus and walked <laughs> with Jesus and all that stuff. But I'll be honest, my fear is, and like, I've been praying for our church, our faith community, the churches in the world that we live in, that somehow or another, and maybe this pandemic, that he would make us uncomfortable enough to see him. I know everybody would say, and I, a lot of my friends are posting on Facebook, you know, waiting on the revival, waiting on the revival. Well, you ain't got to wait. You start with yourself. Yep. I'm yep. going to start with me. Yep. So through this series, to me, we have hit some really high-level stuff. We, Week one, we looked at Rudolph, mm -hmm. you know, the Christmas classic. And we really looked at the concept of Mary being usable, mm -hmm. that she said, God, whatever you want me to do. And what, a, what would happen if the church said that? Right. Whatever you want me to do, I'm available. Right. Um, week two, um, we looked at the Grinch that stole Christmas. And we looked at the concept of, we really look at, especially Christmas, through the material eyes, mm -hmm. the presence and all that kind of stuff. And if they were removed, would we still have right. the presence of God in our lives? And the answer is yes. That he's given us gifts that that he hasn't taken away, that, that maybe the world can't see, but we should be able to see. And then Pat talked about Elf, one of your mm -hmm. favorite favorite movies, and but about how God wants us to pursue him. And Buddy the Elf was trying to find yep. his dad. And what are we, are, are we willing to do whatever it takes to find the father? Absolutely. And then, you know, Christmas Eve night, my favorite, my Charlie favorite, Brown. Charlie Brown, I love Charlie Brown. But I mean, he says that one line and it's, it, it's so true, you know. Um, you know, it's not such a bad tree. Charlie's right. It's not such a bad. All it needed is a little love. Mm. And what would happen in the world that we live in if we just demonstrated a little love? That revival that everybody keeps longing for would happen ten times over. Yeah, but we would rather argue yeah, than by, than love and all pick that. Pick a kind. side. Yeah, pick everybody. We're we're picking sides right now in everything. And then this week, the Polar Express. That one line: seeing is believing, mm. and we see it in all this. Every one of them believed. Differently. Yep. Simeon believed it was the Messiah. Anna believed it was the Messiah. The Magi's believed they mm -hmm. come from Herod believed it was the Messiah mm -hmm. too. And that's why he was so angry. And then obviously the two characters on the road to Emmaus. So the question is really honestly, you know, this Christmas, what, 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 how bad would it be if we walked through all of Christmas and we didn't see the Jesus of Christmas? And I would encourage you that um, don't go into 20. 21 and not have an encounter with God. Absolutely. And even if you're right there right now, you're, you're, you're sitting here listening to what we've talked about, 
The Bible says this. The Bible says that God can be found by those who seek him with all their heart. Don't do it half-hearted. Don't do it halfway. You know, you're in a position right now. We're going to pray together in a minute. But, but seek God with everything. Ask him, ask him for you to find him. He, he is not a God. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He's not a God that is, that is like you have to get on his day timer or his, his, mm-hmm. his schedule. He's not a God that you have to, he doesn't put you on hold. He's a God that's accessible. That's why Jesus came because he wanted the world to know that he was accessible. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those deals where search after him, find him. With all your heart. With everything that you have in you. Make that the make that the new habit. Yep. That you're gonna. You even said in our devotion, in mm-hmm. our church life, make that the new habit yep. that we're gonna do. Speaking of habits, we're gonna start a brand new series next week called Habits, and I can't wait. Yeah. I'm but excited. Bef- but before that, I'm gonna pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, um, God, there's people watching this that come from different walks of life, come from different, even spiritual walks of life. Um, and God, that's one thing that's so amazing about the stories of of your word. There's people that come to you from all different angles and all different walks of life and all different social and economic systems and, and races and cultures in God. But the one thing that's the constant in that is that when people seek after you, you are found, that you enter their lives, you do something spectacular. And so even in this moment right here, God, I pray that, that people are seeking you, they're having conversations. It could be somebody that's never met you and they're having that first time conversation. They're crossing that spiritual line. That's their next step. And it could be people that have known you for a while and maybe just got comfortable. Maybe mm-hmm. have lost that, that, that edge, that fire to serve you in a way. And maybe today is inspiring that. And for all of us, God, it's just a, a reminder that, that we can have an opportunity to see you. Uh, we can have a reality of seeing you in a real way and that, God, you, you want to be found. And so thank you so much for being with us over this holiday. Thank you most of all for sending the greatest Christmas present that's ever come, and that's Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.